Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week is our second parter with Toby Jones, and we're talking everything OKKO and anything in between. We talk about how he got the show off the ground with Ian. We also talk about his favorite episodes and then the wrap-up towards the end of the series. So it was a lot of fun talking to Toby these last couple weeks, and I hope you guys enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's My Head Podcast. I'm your host, Julian. Today, I'm joined by returning guest, Mr. Toby Jones. Toby, how are you, sir? Hello. I am doing pretty well. I'm having a perfectly good early January evening. Oh, man. Is it is it chilly out there by you guys? Chilly for L.A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's. Re- it's rainy and and it's very nice. I'm I'm whenever we get rain, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So yeah, it's been a very rainy couple of weeks over the holiday, and it's been I've I've been enjoying it. I think you're the only person in Southern California that likes it when it rains. Like when I was stationed in San Diego, I know I loved it when it rained. I hated driving when it rained because nobody knows how to fucking drive in the rain out there. Yeah. But uh, you know, I I do like seeing the rain, man, especially being from Florida. Um, but man, the last time you were on, I had a blast. You know, getting to hear, you know, like you said, uh, super fan, right, of regular show. Then you get to work on the show, work with some of your guys you looked up to, and then your career starts to progress and you start working on your own show, man. Uh, so I figure we'll pick it up at that point. Where are you when you have this idea for your show and you're like, fuck, I want to pitch this pilot. How does it all come to be? How does it all come to be? So when it comes to uh, the project, AJ's, AJ's Infinite Summer, I was pretty early in my career, relatively speaking now, you know, I'd, I'd been working in the industry for maybe nine months or something. And uh, I was starting to hang out with uh, some, some friends who were showing me their pilots they were working on. So Ian Jones, Cordy and Rebecca sugar, I'm hanging out with them and they're showing me their animatics for liquid Plaza turbo, which would become K- OKKO and Steven universe. And uh, I'm looking at these animatics uh, and I'm just like, these are really cool and great and unique and interesting. And I'm kind of looking around and I'm realizing like, oh, they're 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 actively making and greenlighting these shorts right now. And they're all really cool, interesting and great. And like, this is the window that will close. Mm-hmm. Like they're not it's not always going to be a situation where they're just making cool stuff uh, all just to just to make it. Uh, with 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 not too terribly much oversight, uh, you know, just letting creators make cool stuff that will make the next hit shows, you know. And my thought at the time is like, hey, I'm still super super green and not experienced at all, but this opportunity won't always be around to to, to make this kind of thing, you know. It's it's like what a cartoon all over again, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I start pulling together an idea that's based on uh, my real life friend AJ, um, because he's a real dude who I know and grew up with and have made projects i made a i made a movie in high school uh called aj goes to france with a bunch of friends of mine and so there's this character around my friend aj uh and i always thought like this character is like my mickey mouse you know he's the yeah. character who i for me if i write this aj character i can put him in any situation and i know that i can make it funny and when i was growing up you know one of my dreams was uh, take this AJ character that we in high school that we made this movie out of and make a bunch of movies. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to do like Antoine Duanel, uh, the uh, the the Francois Francois Truffaut uh, uh, series where he takes this character and every like five ten years he makes another movie with this character and we can't check in on a different point of his life. And so I kind of thought like, okay, well, what is the animated kids version of that? Like, what if we do stories like that? But they all take place in one summer uh, where it's like this character 
has this such an existence that any situation they 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 go into is like a life-changing like big crazy moment uh but it's all in like one summer the original concept was called aj's endless summer and it was literally about these characters just graduated from high school and it's the endless summer of what happens to you after high school and so it's like everything that happens to you as a it's all this coming of age stuff that happens to you could all happen in one summer and so i go to cartoon network with this idea and it's a very rough not very fully formed pitch because i'm green i've never pitched anything before i don't know what i'm doing and they reject it they're just like hey thanks for sharing it but you know no thanks you know uh but they express an interest in my comics because at this point i'm still working on some some personal comics and i just actually released uh, a small book through a through a publisher in minneapolis called 2d cloud it was one of the projects that i was working on before i uh, moved out to la and they were like hey just just if you have any comics to show us, go ahead and go ahead and let us know. And so I hand them uh, this. This is Katie Krentz and Curtis Lelash were the executives at the time. And I hand them these uh, these zines. And uh, they come back to me a couple of weeks later and they're like, hey, we now that we've read this, these books that you've done, we now have a stronger idea of like your point of view and like what you do. And now we're taking it back and we actually do want to develop a cartoon with you now that we get what you get, what your whole deal is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they want, they were like, Hey, this, this comic, it was called Arthur Turnkey. It was like a fantasy kids, uh, adventure comic that I had done. And they were like, we'd love to develop this, but if you still want to do this AJ thing, we'd also be open to that. If you can age it down. Cause they were already starting to age things down a little bit from adventure time and regular show at that point. Um, and so they were like, we don't want to do after graduating high school. We'd like to make the characters a little younger. Uh, and so I thought about it and I, and I, the Arthur Turnkey comic, because it was like a fantasy adventure story in my mind, it was going to be a little too similar to what adventure time was doing. And, and so I was like, let's not do that. I, I don't want to bump up on that. And so let's do AJ's infinite summer. So I graciously aged the characters down a bit and, and set it in high school. Um, and from there, it was really great. I, cause I had a very strong, clear idea for what I wanted that pilot to be. Mm-hmm. And it was not um influenced again i was very green at the time so it was not influenced by any kind of rules or expectations for what a what people would want it was like a very pure raw just like what i thought would be funny and great in that moment and like what i thought would be a great funny way to spend seven minutes for a short uh because i didn't have any experience it was just like what i would love to do and so i came to them with like this strong clear idea for a very strong strange story you know you've seen it you know it's like kind of it's pretty bizarre uh and once that started they were very they were very into everything i was bringing them they were they didn't give me a lot of harsh strong notes that didn't make me rework or reconsider things in a in a in a, in a major way they they gave thoughtful feedback uh and and you know there's one part where um pretty early on you know it's a very gag driven surreal absurd short and after that first pitch i pitched the storyboard for the first time and they were like, hey, so there's these these really absurd moments, like when the dad comes out of the fridge and then he like drinks orange juice out of a pillow. Like, is that the kind of thing that's going to happen like all the time? And I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, that's kind of the, the, the hard, the far edge on how absurd it gets. And it's important to me that we include a moment like that in the short to just show how absurd it can get. And they were just like, okay, cool. And uh, and it was, it was overall like a, a, a very smooth pleasant process you know at the time the shorts program the the creative lead of it was phil rinda Mm -hmm. uh and then the art director was sue mont and 
And these folks were just very fun and great to work with. And it was it was a dream come true. It was my first experience running and, and leading a project. And I basically just got to bring on whoever I wanted to do the art and the design. And uh, the, the the voice acting was an interesting thing. Um, and and it, again, it was just it was uh, thinking back. It's like what a, such a fun experience because it was my first time doing all these things. And uh, the voice acting was a really interesting one because I really wanted my friend AJ from Fargo, North Dakota, with no professional acting experience, to play himself in the short. And uh, the network was like, hey, could you audition some other people? And I was like, of course. And so we did, a, you know, I got hundreds of auditions for these characters. And at the end of them all, you know, there were some pretty good ones, but I still really wanted my, no one could do AJ like AJ, even though he's not a professional. And I, I really love working with um, non-professional actors. I think you get a very unique uh, vibe when you, when you work with a non-professional actor. And especially in this particular case, you know, having him at the center of it all, this kind of grounded character. Well, he's not grounded, but like his voice sounds like a real guy, you yeah. know? And so that kind of makes the, it kind of, it's a fun contrast with the absurdity. And so they basically were like, Hey, if you really, 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 really want to have your friend, AJ with no acting experience playing AJ, that's fine. But if you could please get some like bigger names in the other roles, we'd really appreciate it. So that was kind of what we did is, you know, we brought in Mae Whitman and Chris Parnell and, and, and Wallace Langham and those other roles. And it was just a, so AJ flew out from Fargo to Los Angeles for like, for like a, a few days to come and do the voice record. And, uh, and Mae Whitman was there and she was just like helping coach him through his first, ex his first ever voice acting experience. And it, it was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, and that, that it was just a very pleasant, positive experience making that short. And then when it came out, uh, it did pretty well with, with audiences. They, they yeah. most of them, it was at a time when like regular show was the, was the big thing. And so everything was being compared to regular show. And I can see why someone would say, you know, the guy who worked on regular show, you can, it's easy to draw some comparisons. Yeah. Um, but if, but if you really know regular show, you know, that that's not regular show is not a show where the reality is breaking arbitrarily for absurd jokes. You know, regular show is a show that's very grounded. Uh, and then the absurdity comes to the magical elements. Um, so the differences are there. If you really, a true fan of regular show can see why they're not exactly the same, but, uh, but it was overall a very positive experience. And I, and I, I loved making the short. That's really cool, man. And and I've heard so many both good and not so good stories about getting to bring your vision to life. Um, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of folks figure out once it goes from initial idea to pilot, pilot to series, series to long-term series, you know, um, they say, you, I don't want to say it put words in everybody's mouth, but I, I've heard on multiple occasions that it, it gets harder and harder the longer it goes. It gets harder and harder because you've got all of these hands trying to stir the pot. So mm -hmm. just trying to make sure that what you want to say is still there. The essence of your show was a lot more difficult than folks originally thought it was going to be once they started working on their own show. Uh, there yeah. was two things I wanted to circle back to. Uh, and and one of them is kind of a callback. Uh, what was more rewarding for you? Uh, was it seeing your name and credits for the first time on a regular show or was it getting to have your buddy from Fargo, North Dakota, AJ, come out and voice the character that he was going to voice? Which one was more uh, satisfying? It was getting my buddy out to work on it because yeah. it's like there's this other thing where it's like it's all part of a continuum. Mm -hmm. And all of my stuff, you know, it, it can't not be in some way connected to me getting together with my friends and making yeah. movies on the weekends in high school or me making comics and in, in Spanish class, you know, it's all, it can't not be in a continuum with that work and it can't not be connected to that. Mm -hmm. And so I always like to bring it back 
back to that in some way. And so like, for example, you know, there, there was bringing in AJ and st I'm still making stuff with this AJ character or, or it's like, you know, uh, my friend Alex Horeb, who I grew up with in Fargo, he is a writer on Infinity Train. You know, it's a thing where it's just like finding the right place for these unique individuals that I, that I that are responsible for my entire, you know, se sensibility. You know, finding places where it makes sense to 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 bring them into this this whole you know LA animation scene. That's really dope, man. And it's it's always cool when you can bring up the people around you, the people that help support you, people help mold you um, from such a young age. I mean, you know, as we've, I'm sure as you've noticed, once you get older, your circle tends to get smaller, tends to get tighter. Um, those same guys and gals you might've hung out with middle school, high school, maybe early twenties tend to kind of fade away because everybody either starts having a family or they start going. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just split, man. Um, I, I've got the one constant, the guy that does all the editing for all my videos, Larry, uh, he's been, you know, he's, he's, we've been friends since 16. I'm 33. This I'll be 34 in August. Um, you know, so over half my life, you know, he's been in the picture. Uh, he was on my basketball team, you know, so whenever I get to incorporate him, kind of like what you were saying with Asia, whenever you get to incorporate a friend and, you know, just bring them up with you or just show them mm -hmm. a different side or, you know, you've got a place for him at the table is essentially what I'm getting at, man. I like yeah. hearing that type of shit, man. It's uh, something very personal. And I think it adds a, a very, um, I don't want to say spiritual in a douchey way, but like a very <laughs> intimate, a better word, a more intimate connection with the show you created. Because obviously it's already coming from your heart. But to add an element like your friend AJ into the show, I, I just think that's something very special that I wish more people would do. Um, totally. And one thing I did want to circle back to as well, the, the other the other part. What was going through his, I can imagine you guys have talked about it, but what was it going through his mind coming out from Fargo and seeing Los Angeles? And he's like, Hey, you know, T Toby, why do you want me to voice this guy? And you, did you have to talk him into it? Was he up for it right away? I mean, Oh, he was, he was up for it, but I think yeah. that he was maybe a little su surprised that, you know, cause you know, I, as I mentioned, we had dozens of dozens of auditions mm. and, and they were all a lot of really talented, skilled, like name voice actors who did a really good, really good job. And I think, so I think he was like, are you really sure, you know, that you, that, yeah. that of all the people you want to do? And I was a hundred percent confident about it because I just knew that it was necessary for the tone and it for the, for the right feel. And, you know, I, I, I comment on, oh, AJ is a non-actor or whatever, but the fact is he's actually a terrific comic actor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, uh, he's, he's actually extremely good at comic timing and, 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 and he always has been, uh, and I'm working, and I'm working with him, with him now on a project and it's, and it's, 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 it's amazing how, how funny he is. And I, I build, I build the entire world out from what he, what he brings. And I, I definitely, I, I will say he was certainly nervous, uh, coming out and, and, and cause it's pretty different from going out there with, with, with your friends, mm -hmm. uh, to, to go to LA and be in a, be in a booth with a bunch of like professional voice actors, you know? Uh, and so he was nervous, uh, for sure. And, and in fact, you know, it was funny because, you know, these shorts, they're very, they're, these shorts, part of the, part of the balance is like, I, I talk about how creatively free it was and how I, as someone without a lot of experience, got to make something without a lot of guardrails. And that's part of what's so great about them. But the kind of other aspect to that and how you kind of get away with it is that they're, they're very fly by night, fast, low budget projects. And so what that meant was, uh, that we had one voice record for one day, you know, we had X number of hours. I forget how many hours, maybe four hours to get all the actors in there, record all the lines and get out of there. There was no budget it, it for, for, uh, for bringing in and doing pickup audio records. And so 
What that means is if my friend AJ, who doesn't even live in LA, if we don't get what we need from him, I'm screwed, right? And so actually what we ended up doing was uh, I was screwed uh, because it was a very tight, fast thing. I didn't have the time to like really go in and finesse some of these lines. Because another thing about that short is a lot of the rhythms of those jokes are very specific. Uh, and that's kind of what makes them work. And uh, there were a few, we didn't get what we needed for some of the stuff. And so actually what I did was I called up my friend in Fargo, Jared, who's like an audio engineer and like a sound expert. And I was like, we're doing a secret pickup record in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not telling anybody. And so I called him up. They set him up with an in-home studio makeshift made at home. And we recorded pickups without telling anybody. And I slipped them into the short Uh uh, and it was just because it's like it needed to be right. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you don't have the budget for it, uh, I'm going to do it myself. And so I just slid, slid him in there. Hey, man, you bet on your dream. And that's pretty cool that you, you had the foresight or you had the, you know, like, hey, we want to make sure we get this right. You only get one chance, right? You no, know, the door yeah. only opens up most of the time once if you're lucky. Uh, and for most people, it's either it slams in their face or they get that toe in there, kick that some bitch in. And it sounds like you kicked it in, man. Uh, so like I said, it's it's really cool getting to see and hear you guys' journey from however you got into the industry to what you're doing now to finally getting to create your own show and pitch a pilot. Um, when it was all said and done, do you remember like from start to finish how long it took? It was a very, I will say, cause it's like, it's so shockingly fast in comparison to now my, cause I've, I've been a developer on development on several other projects since then, you know, I have a project at Cartoon Network still that I pitched them in 2019, you know, we're, yeah. we're talking, we're talking years in some of these other projects, yeah. but for the ages infinite summer pilot from pitch to completion, the whole thing took about a year which in comparison to other projects I've been on in development, it's it's shockingly, blindingly fast. And in my opinion, that's the way to do it. With these shorts programs, it's like, let's not labor the point. You know, let's throw something, let's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And then, and then if something's sticking, then you can start having those conversations. Steven Universe is a great example in OKKO2. These are shows where the pilots are great and they're interesting and they're unique. And you can tell there's something magical and special there. But they're not the same as the show because once it gets to be a show, that's when you have those conversations. That's when you start developing and really sinking in your teeth in. But like for the pilot, it's like, just get something out there. Like, let's just see what happens. Let's just see what sticks. Yeah. And I, and in my opinion, that's the way to do it with these shorts programs. Knowing what you know now, would you do anything? And obviously everybody wants to armchair quarterback after, but knowing what you know now, seeing it, having people talk about the, the short the pilot um, and then it just, being out there in the public's view, was there anything that you would change about it? Yeah, well, it's really interesting because it's like, I really stand by the short, but also like I I see it as very strongly the vision of a different person now because I've had so much experience now in the industry and I've run shows now and I've developed so many other things and I haven't been awarded that immediate freedom sense really in in a lot of projects i, I would say ko we 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 did for a, a good chunk of it but still it's like it's actually really hard to get a situation where you're allowed to just try something like that and 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 it's very much the perspective of somebody who is not aware of or really concerned with what the rules are you know when i made it i wasn't really concerned with the rules of storytelling and i, and I wasn't as aware of what was expected of me uh, creatively, uh, from both the exec, from either the executives or the audience, and that's why it's good, in my opinion. Is is yeah. it's something very freewheeling and 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 coming from a very uh, 
unfettered perspective. And so that I wouldn't change uh, because I, I I don't think I could replicate what that was now. I think I'd be much more concerned with character arcs and story structure, and I might even make a better short for that reason. Uh, and the shorts I've made since then, I think are a little bit more conventionally satisfying uh, and a little bit more conventionally exciting and engaging on an emotional level. But I wouldn't trade what I did there for anything. I, w- I would say that if I did go back, I would maybe reconsider some of the... Um, some of the visuals, I would maybe go for a slightly different look. I wanted to make something polished uh, at the time, because, and I don't know if I would do that now. I think I'd maybe try for something a little bit more loose looking, uh, a little bit more true to my actual drawings. Mm-hmm. And also for for the um, for the BG style, I think that uh, everyone I hired on there did a really, really, really great job. But I think I might've gone for a different look. I think I'd maybe go, I'm working on some projects now where the look is a little bit more inspired by, um, it has a bit more of a painterly appearance, and a little more dreamlike, and there's it, maybe maybe a little more distinct from what I did at the time. You know, I think that maybe visually, uh, the short didn't really um, jump out from the pack at the time. You know, I, I I've mentioned how people really at the time were like, hey, this is really visually inspired by Adventure Time and Regular Show, and it's like, I guess that's true, but really, what it was inspired by was all the alternative comics that I grew up on. You know, it was very much, I, I, I was trying to make something that felt like James Kachalka or Peter Bag or something like that. But uh, but a lot of the people who watched the short at the time, you know, there were kids who weren't necessarily familiar with that stuff. And, you know, you just, usually if you watch something, you compare it to the last thing you saw. And so you compare it to Adventure Time regular show. So if I went back, I would maybe make an effort to make something that was maybe visually a little bit more like what I was drawing. Because I, I tried to polish it up. I You know, I brought in Kelly Bastow, who's a terrific designer and, and artist to, to kind of redesign the characters and give them a, a specific look. And I think it's really cool, but I think that if I went back, I'd maybe make it look a little bit more just like what I would draw. Well, that's really cool, man. And and knowing that it was in that same vein, because obviously you know what you know and you know what you don't know what you don't know. Um, so getting to see like what you guys would change and wouldn't change is always fascinating because just being a creator for anything right? Whether you do videos like this, you do animation like you, you cook for a living, anytime where you're out in the public sphere and you're essentially giving a piece of yourself to somebody else and then trying to, what's the word? Not necessarily get, um, ah, man, what's the word I'm looking for? Somebody's approval, maybe. Or you're just mm-hmm. trying to get a sense of like, is this good through somebody else's eyes, right? Because that's, that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to have something or make something. that One, they can be proud of, but two, that other folks can enjoy, right? TV yeah. shows, cartoons, comic books, what have you. Um, so getting to see like what you guys would change. And it doesn't sound like you change anything other than just the art style. And yeah, that's got- I would admit- yeah, exactly. Growth, you know, your growth through mm-hmm. your career. So I think that's pretty fascinating, and pretty cool. Um so as we kind of transition into the next phase of your career, man, you go from this to work. And obviously you were working with Ian and Rebecca before you guys at least knew each other, your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you guys connect and say, Hey, uh, Ian, I want to be with you on the show. How does, how does that whole conversation start? Well, uh, yeah, Ian and I were friends and, uh, I had seen various iterations of his Lakewood Plaza turbo pilot as he was developing it. And I always was quick to say like, Hey, look, if you ever need any help on this, like yeah. I'd love, I'd love to be involved, like in any way that in any way I can. And Ian has since told me that seeing the AJ's Infinite Summer short made him like see like what I could maybe bring to the project. Like he yeah. saw the specifically the jokes that I was doing and the the humor of AJ's Infinite Summer. And he told he has told me since that he was like, oh, I'd love to get that kind of humor sensibility into my project. 
and so it was maybe it was pretty soon after I finished the AJ's Infinite Summer uh, pilot, and it was before I started working on developing the the show in other ways. And he kind of just came to me and was like, "Hey, look, uh, Cartoon Network is asking me to do more stuff with Liquid Plaza Turbo, and I was wondering if you'd help." And I was just like, "Hell yeah, I'd love to help." Mm-hmm. And the first thing, you know, this was at a time when. Uh, Cartoon Network was was being kind of experimental with the way that they develop and produce shows. And so what they wanted to do was not go right into developing and producing an animated series, but start with multimedia. And that started with a video game. And so there is this video game called uh, now called OKKO Lakewood Plaza Turbo, which is a mobile game, which is unfortunately now delisted. But it was a terrific mobile game. It was like a brawler kind of Metroidvania thing. And uh, that was just getting started. And so he brought me in to help out a little bit with like the writing and, and overseeing that. Uh, one of the main things was like all the, all the character stuff, like character profiles and things like that. And we were just kind of like talking and they wanted to do two, two storyboards for, uh, for pitching, for pitching the show as a show. Uh, it's funny. I was doing two storyboards for Liquid Plaza Turbo. Yeah. And around the time I was doing two storyboards for AJ's Infinite Summer as development. That was kind of the process at the time you do a short and you do two storyboards. And then based on the two storyboards, they kind of decide what they what they want to do with the, with the project. A, a lot of those shorts that you saw in that, in that run have two storyboards that were done afterward, even the ones that never became series. And so uh, him and I collaborated on two storyboards of Lakewood Plaza Turbo episodes. And we just went nuts. Like these things were great. They were just yeah. so wacky and weird. Because again, this was coming from a very similar perspective uh where the the, my aj stuff was coming from which was just a pure confident raw wacky weirdness uh without a lot of concern for i mean in retrospect the audience or what the network or anyone would want uh him and i just went nuts we wrote the two funniest weirdest episodes of cartoon that you could possibly imagine and we pitched them to the network and they were kind of like hmm Maybe this isn't quite what we want from the show. This, there's something not quite, this isn't quite hitting us as we need yeah. it. And at the, at the time we were pretty frustrated because we had written two ridiculously funny episodes. And they basically said like, hey, uh, you're going to keep on developing this game. We're still making this multimedia. Uh, but if you want this to be a show, it needs to have heart and charm is what mm-hmm. they said. Heart and charm. And so they took him off of Steven Universe and it took me off of OKK uh, off of regular show. And we had a summer and they basically said like you're going to you're going to finish this game and you're going to do three shorts, three 2-minute shorts that are ex- like experimental shorts. And what you bring to us will tell us if this is going to be a show or not. Uh and that's that that's what it was. And so we completely reconsidered the show from the ground up and decided that was when we decided like, oh, this is about KO. This is really about the character of KO and it's all from his point of view. He's your entry point. Up until then, it was a more open-ended, it was a ensemble, it's still an ensemble, of course, but like KO, the character was not a major part of what we were writing. It was more about the ensemble and and the character of KO was actually kind of, uh, he was funny, but he was kind of vacant. Yeah. And that was, that was why he was funny. And I liked writing him that way, but we were like, this isn't going to work. If we want to have a hundred episodes, uh, we need to have a character that you really care about and you really, really get em- emotionally invested in. And so him and I just hunkered down and and figured out this character. Uh, he didn't really have a character before. And we were like, we need to see, we need to see the world through his eyes and through his enthusiasm and excitement for this world, the audience and the network will feel it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it completely worked. 
uh, you know, uh, we, we, we showed them all this new stuff and they started getting excited about it and they, and they, they started bringing in, uh, and they, they greenlit the show and, uh, uh, it was a really fun time, uh, de- developing it, but it was just funny. It was just the two of us and we were just like figuring it out and we were like, okay, we're going to write and board these shorts. You know, we, we did experimental stuff. We brought in different animation studios to animate them. We tried different art styles and we were very inspired by, um, the Pete and Pete shorts. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you, yeah. When, when that show before it was a series, there were these shorts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the shorts, cause, cause we were given this two minute format and it's like, I don't love the two minute format. You can't really tell a good story in the two minute format, but then we remembered these Pete and Pete shorts and what, and so if you watch the first, okay, KO shorts, the KO Rad and Enid ones, they have like KOs like talking to the camera and he's like explaining this sliver mm-hmm. of the world to you. Uh, and it's extremely inspired by what those Pete and Pete shorts did. And I have to go back and look. Uh, it, it's funny, Pete and Pete. So I actually had Big Pete on the podcast. First oh, you did? Week. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. that one is a lot like, um, fuck, what was the episode? There was an episode. I I have five episodes that I'll never be able to release uh, because they were on a laptop that was stolen. I, I think I brought it up with the, the last episode we talked. I just can't remember uh, which one came up. It's come up a couple of times because I've got you know five five big ones that I wish I could get back. Um, I've reached out to most of the people and just crickets, you know, most of the time people are like, oh, you lost it. All right. Well, that's super professional of you. So it's like, fuck off. <laughs> but they, they didn't really say anything. Right. So maybe they just didn't get the email. Maybe it got lost in the ethernets. Right. Um, I actually had big Pete on. It was right when we found out we were expecting our second child at the time back in 2020. And uh, it was hands down the worst interview I've ever done. It, he was great. Me. I sucked so bad. You just off your game. I was off my game. I didn't like, so usually what happens to get into the mood, not to get so much get in the mood, but to like slow my brain down just a little bit. I got to take a couple hits off of a pen. I got to take a couple hits of a joint. I usually go right before and I'll burn a joint before, or I'll take an edible and about 15, 20 minutes into the interview, it'll start to kick in and everything just kind of slows down for me. Everything just kind of, it makes it where I can pick and play what I want to talk about. I push it over here. If I don't want to talk, it just makes it easier to manage. It's like clearing up your, your background or your desktop on your computer. You can pick and choose what folders you want to look at. Um, but I had just gotten off of a crazy fucking day, 14, 16 hours, somewhere around there. It was a long fucking day and just found out like two, three hours prior that we were going to have a kid, a second kid. Um, and I was not at a good spot as far as the job goes. Like I said, 2020 was a shitty year for everybody. Um, and you know, getting let go from the industry, the kitchen industry, and then how we got let go, just, it was not cool. I was super jaded, Mm -hmm. um, super, I was just a, I was a cunt at the end of the day. I was just a cunt at work. You know, it was very corrosive. It's very cantankerous. Um, and you know, I was just in a wrong mindset and I'm talking to him and at that time, that had been the biggest guest I'd ever had on, right? I was a huge, I'm a redheaded dude for fuck's sakes, man. We're supposed to stick together with this shit. Big Pete, Little Pete. I remember just staying up watching Nickelodeon and seeing Pete and Pete, seeing all that, you know, Danny Tamarelli, I just all that shit. I was just so fun. And then like, I'm staring across from the guy and I'm like, you ever seen that skit with uh, Chris Farley and SNL? And he's got fucking Paul McCartney on and he's like, hey, Paul. You, you remember when you started the the Beatles with, you know, John Lennon and Ringo and Paul's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that was cool. That's essentially what it was like, <laughs> but I had no comedic performance whatsoever. It was not Chris Farley. It just sucked, <laughs> man. And that one, like I said, with four other interviews was on a laptop that was actually stolen the, uh, the first couple months of into the, you know, the new year. So 
sadly, uh, you know, I'll never be able to to really put that one out, which is probably a good thing because, like I said, I sucked so bad, man. It was so. <laughs> I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could salvage it in the edit, but yeah. I don't know, man, because it's just like you can all. <laughs> You can only polish a turd so much, and that's exactly. I was just a big hunk of shit that day, man. But uh, nonetheless, man. Um, you know, so going back to Ko and working with Ian. Obviously, you had just gotten your, you gotten your pilot out of you. You got to show it. You got to showcase mm-hmm. it to the world. What was it like for you watching your friend go through the same thing that you just went through, getting a short out there, you know, opening himself up and piece, putting a piece of himself out in the world? Mm-hmm. What was it like through your eyes seeing that happen to a friend? I can imagine it's pretty cool. Well, since he did, he did his short before I did mine. And so the whole thing was incredibly like aspirational. You know, mm-hmm. it was a thing where it's just like, you know, Ian, Ian is, 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 a, is a close friend and, you know, a peer and, and a collaborator and also like a mentor to me, you know, and so like seeing him go through these things uh, and being like, oh, maybe if I step up and I'm better and can and work harder, I can do that, too, you know, yeah. and, he, and he kind of and so because he's, he's also he's a little older than me. And he's got he's a few steps ahead in his in his in his career. And so I I always look to him to be like, oh, there there's there's something I could maybe try to do half yeah. as well as as what he does. And so I was in a lot of ways, you know, with with the AJ pilot kind of following in his footsteps, you know. And so, you know, that that's I guess that that's kind of that's kind of how it felt, where it was just like seeing this cool thing happening. And then, and then, and and kind of like I was mentioning earlier, where it's like seeing this opportunity and being like, yeah. uh, and, and not knowing if I could do it, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and also like a lot of, you know, my friends and peers at the time, you know, I showed them early versions of the storyboard and they gave me like really good feedback for plussing the jokes and, you know, making in the clarity and, and, and all of that stuff. And so it's, it's, it was great. What was that, uh, what was that room like, you know, the writers, the animators, you know, obviously you told us some really cool stories about how, you know, how you guys were really tight on regular show. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like regular show in a sense of like how tight it was? Did you guys do any crazy stuff? You guys do anything to like bond? What would, what was that on, on set like? On, on, uh, okay. KO? Yeah. Well, it was really interesting, you know, cause at the beginning it was just me and Ian mm-hmm. and it was just the two of us just like banging our heads against the wall figuring the show out from almost from almost nothing. You know, he kind yeah. of considered the Liquid Plaza Turbo Pilot to be nothing. He was just kind of like, look, he was like, I, I had fun with it. It was good. But he kind of thought like, he he kind of was like, I want to rebuild this thing from scratch and like really, really, really fig- figure it out. And he, you know, as a creator, he's very generous to his, to his team. And so he really like let me in and let me, you know, treat the show as just as much my own creative outlet. You know, obviously he's Ian and it's his show and it's, and it's his voice and it's, and it's his everything, but he made, he made space for, for what I wanted to say and what I wanted to do within the show. And so pretty early on, after a couple months, we brought in Dave Tennant, who was a writer on Flapjack and Uncle Grandpa and a bunch of other shows. And he was kind of our first writer. And then we brought in uh, Aaron Shade, who we got from a really, really good script sample. Um, and so it was the four of us were the kind of the main writer's room on that show once it got greenlit. Uh, and one, and, and it was, it was great. It was just the four of us, Ian and I would drop in and we would just have our gripes and be like, here's some crazy shit that went down last weekend. I want to make an episode out of it. Uh, you know, or, or just like, here's something annoying that I just saw and let's like make fun of that. Uh, and also of course, just like a growing interest and excitement with, our own world that we were building. And a lot of that came from 
what the, the writers, the board artists brought because it's a board driven show. And so it really, really came alive once we brought in the, the board artists and mm-hmm. we saw the breadth of tones the show could really express. And at that time, because at the time I was still kind of grieving that version that Ian and I had made that had been rejected, that was like extremely gag driven and, and, and not very character, not as character driven. Uh, and what I discovered from bringing in a team of writers and board artists who were all kind of doing the show from their own perspective was that there was room for everything. There was room for all of it, you know, within any given episode, you know, that thing that I, that I, that I thought we had lost was always there. The gag driven absurdity was still there, but there was so much more, you know, these were characters you could really care about. It was a story you could get invested in. It was a world that felt, that felt real. And it was all because all of us were, were very genuinely bringing, bringing something personal to, to, to the show. Um, so suffice to say it was great. You know, the, the writer's room, we would write the, write the outlines. It was the four of us. And then, you know, because it's a board driven show, the other writer's room would be when the storyboard pitch, you know, the, the board artists would bring their version of the episode. And that, that was like the most lively moments where it was like the board artists would just crack us up, bringing us the craziest stuff. Uh, and we would all just hang out and kind of riff on what, uh, riff on the episodes. So I don't know, does that does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, and what do you feel like you brought the best as far as your piece? Because you said there was the four of you guys, so mm-hmm. it seemed like it was a lot of very observational humor. I like the fact that you guys are pulling in real world experiences, like fuck it, I cut off, or some kid called me weird, or you know, you bring in these life experiences that everybody kind of goes through. But if you don't think about it, if you don't dwell on it, it's kind of it happens, and then it's like a dream. It happens, but then you kind of forget mm-hmm. about it by halfway through the day, you know. But what was what was that? biggest contribution as far as that side goes from you coming from i mean it's so hard to whittle to 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 kind of um i mean it's i i i it really just feels like ian was so great to work with on the show uh because every single episode that we did Mm-hmm. Be it a character-driven story, be it a serialized, you know, plot-driven, uh, you know, big epic story, be it an absurd, be it an absurd, ridiculous, off-format, reality-breaking story. Every single one of them, I feel like that's me, yeah. you know, because and, and that and that's how that's how that's how 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 much how invested I was in in that show, you know. Uh, I found that that I that I was excited to work on any and all type of type of thing. You know, you watch AJ's Infinite Summer and you can and you can say that's the Toby flavor. You know, it's gag driven, it's absurd, it's casually surreal, uh, or whatever. But I found an affinity for all of it working on working on KO. You know, I, I got super into the 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 lore and the 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 emotional arcs of the characters. And but then and one thing that that I that I that I found myself really really excited doing was a, the surprise gut punch ending for an episode. I loved doing an episode that 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 is seems light or even seems dramatic, uh, and but and you you think you're out of there, uh, and then we deliver something at the very end that makes you go oh 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 no that that that, that is upsetting. Uh, and, and, or 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 unexpectedly tragic and sad, and that's something I found myself increasingly enjoying working on the show, especially in the third season, because the third season of the show was after we had found out that the show was going to end, mm. and we were able to infuse a lot of our personal feelings 
about what was going on into the show. And so we started delivering these unexpected emotional gut punches, uh, which was something that I found a lot of affinity for uh, as, as we went on. Did it seem cathartic? It was the only way, you know, yeah. it, it, the show, the OKKO is, is a show driven entirely on like a pure uh, creative verve. And the only thing we could do was speak our truth and be honest. Otherwise there's like no show. Like that's just the fact of the matter. Like it, it's entirely like any tiny episode you watch, it's just the raw vision of the board artists and, and everyone involved speaking honestly. And, 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 and there's, that's all there is. <laughs> and so definitely like any episode you're watching, be it a fun and wacky and weird episode or like a heartbreaking emotional episode in all those cases and more, it's just a very direct one-to-one uh, of how we were feeling at that time. Do you guys think you said everything you wanted to say? No. Uh, you know, and that's part of what we did with the show. You know, it's a show that, uh, I think if we had, it's weird to say, but I, you know, we could have gone on and on and on and on. We could have done hundreds of episodes of KO. Uh, but I don't know that we necessarily needed to, I would have loved to do 20 more, mm-hmm. you know, that would have been to me. Cause the thing is that, you know, OKKO is a show that now has a reputation for being a canceled too soon show you know but the fact is that we got three seasons and 112 episodes and compared to some of my other shows that i loved growing up it's quite a few Mm -hmm. uh and to the point where the people the original people we brought on to the show they probably if the show had kept going they probably wouldn't have stayed on for that much longer they probably would have gotten picked up by other shows or moved on and and you know as you know watching any show their staff turnover, you know, people, people, people move on. They've got to try something different. And we had been grinding and grinding on that show for four, four years at that point. And if we had gone on for another two seasons, probably we would have lost a lot of the original people on the show. And it would have probably still been amazing, but it would have become a different show uh, because the people involved would have changed. Um, And so instead what we, what happened was we had a crew of people who had all rallied at the end to say their thing one last time for that whole last season. And so in that way, you know, I wouldn't trade what we got for anything because the whole thing exists as this singular vision. If it had continued, it would have changed uh, because and that's just a necessary thing with, with time passing on any show. Um, so what I would say is somewhere, you know, I would have loved to do 20 more, just have a little bit more, fun and a little more space because the third season is very is, is a lot more story driven and a little bit more se- serious which which um the audience responded well to and i think we did a great job with you know all the plot stuff that's there we got to tell all of it we got it all in there and we didn't you know even though there's jokes about rushing it we didn't really have to rush the like story story the plot plot but i would have loved more space to do wacky one-off episodes and just and ha- and you know stretch our stretch our legs out you know if you watch the first season that first season of the show is 52 52 episodes so we got to do everything under the sun mm-hmm. in fit cuz we knew we had 52 and so we got to do wacky one-off episodes we got to do story episodes we got to do character driven episodes we got to do it all uh, and I, and I'd like, I would have liked to be able to carry that a little bit into the third season too, but instead we had to really focus on telling that story. And again, we did a good job and the audience was happy with it. Um, 20 more, we could have had a little more fun, which I would have liked. Um, so anyway, that's, that, that's a long winded way to say that, um, 
you know, there's always that feeling of 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 wishing we could have done more. Um, but I, what I'm saying is, you know, I don't think we needed two more seasons, three more seasons necessarily. I think we, but I would have all, I would have loved more. That said, <laughs> uh, no, I would love, I'd love to be working on the show today. I, I think we could have done a lot of great things if we got to keep going for hundreds and hundreds of episodes. I uh, wish it never ended. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but I'm very satisfied with what we did do. That's good to hear, man. And the fact is, we got to we got to do a real ending. You know, that's not something that a lot that every show gets to do. We got to do a real ass ending, um, and we got to do exactly what we wanted to do for that. That's cool because a lot of times it's just almost like uh, even though Samurai Jack came back around, it came back around, fuck, fifteen years later, give or take, mm-hmm. to do its last season. Um, you know, when Samurai Jack ends, it, it ends with just him walking off the sunset, which is. You know, kind of like a samurai movie, kind of like kung fu movie. You know, the heroes walking off in the sunset, but you knew that there was more. That this character, this character, he never made it home. Like, what? You can't end Jack, and Jack's stuck in the future. It just doesn't work. It's, it's what the fuck is going on, Cartoon Network? And I was just herb. <laughs> so it's when you get to see it, when you get to see a show kind of end it their way. Ed, Ed and Eddie was another one. We talked a little bit about Ed, Ed and Eddie at the beginning. Yep. Um, you know, but their big picture show. You know, they offered them, I've talked to almost that entire cast and crew, you know, with the exception of Danny Antonucci, which I would fucking love to have Danny on, man. But I know he's seen my messages, man. He just, I'm, <laughs> he just said no, but nonetheless, man, uh, from everything I've heard from the writers to the artists, to the voice actors, the big picture show was like their, their finale, their send off. Like they offered him that, or they offered him uh, one more season. And with the, um, I, I hate saying this term because I enjoyed the Powerpuff Girls movie, even though it didn't make the money that Cartoon Network thought it was going to make. I don't think it was a flop. Like a lot of people say, it just wasn't a success. I, what the fuck is a success, a success? I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. That's yep. a success to me, you know, financial gain or not. I mean, obviously you want to make as much money as possible. You know, they get the business side and the art side, but I had fucking fun with that movie. So when I say that, you know, it's not a financial success and they want to do, you know, a TV film, or they couldn't do one released in the movie theater uh, because of the power. I just hate seeming like I'm shitting on something. So that's why I just wanted to, you know, delve just a little bit into that one. Um, so they chose that one and he kind of got to do it how he wanted to do. He finished it how he wanted to finish it. Fans, a lot of the fans didn't like the way it ended. They could, they wanted more like most people. You want them leaving more. You want them, you want to mm-hmm. leave it once one them want one more. Breaking Bad is a good example, um, you know. But it's it's really nice to see you guys got to put a bow on it. I would love to see maybe there's some kind of interest that's peaked up year two, three, maybe down the road. And you guys can kind of come back and get those 20 episodes. Yeah. Uh, everything's going to be coming back in vogue. Um, before we rotate into the fans questions, I got to imagine uh, and I'm going to be a little theatrical here. What was it like after KO and, you know, you went for the last time? Uh, I'm actually going to take a quick bathroom break and be back and you can Absolutely. ask the question again. I'll be right Absolutely. back. Sounds good. All right, man. What was it like at the end of OKKO OK where the lights go like that in the studios for the last time, man? What was that feeling like? Uh, well, it was it was a year long process of that. That's the thing about animation because the way that the pipeline works, right? And so, you know, we found out the show was ending. Luckily, very early, and so we got to build that entire third season out as a final season and tell our whole story and. You know, as I mentioned, the whole crew, we all rallied to, to do the best that we possibly could, you know, uh, in the face of burnout, in the face of everything, we we all we all did our best. And then what happened was 
the slow, slow end of the show because the way that the production pipeline works means that every week, another couple of people were saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, first it was the writers, then it was the board artists, you know, and then it would, then, then it was the, we had to say goodbye to the voice actors. Then we had to say goodbye to the animatic editor, then all the designers. And and then finally all the production team, you know? And so every week we had to say goodbye to a couple more people. Many, many tears were shed because we all loved working together. You know, it was, it was the thing is that like, we were already like, we had a very strong, like internal crew culture, especially because the show we did 52 episodes before the show was even announced. You know, we, we were all like in there. We all, we were, we had already, we were that far ahead at the beginning because they wanted to air like every, and they aired like an episode. This is going way back. They aired an episode like every day for like two months. And yeah. so they, they wanted to have a huge bank of it. So we were all, we were in the, the hole with ourselves without anybody knowing what we were doing for like a full year. And so we had a very strong internal crew, you know, culture and point of view and sensibility and the show ending really 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 crystallized that because suddenly it wasn't just the show we were all working on it was the show that we we're all working on that that is being <laughs> taken from us you know and so we all like our bonds really 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 grew in that last couple of couple of i would say several months but between us finding out the show was ending and, and the first few people saying goodbye and it, it became a thing we started socializing a lot more we started playing a lot of you know jackbox games on first Fridays, we get together and play Smash Brothers or Quiplash or Drawful, and we were making doing the craziest stuff. And it was just us, like you know, it was it was part of that rallying to, to, uh, at the end. And so it was really, really, really sad saying goodbye, you know, person by person every every single week. Um, and at the end, it was just me and Ian and Geneva Hodgson, who was our number three on the show, who we brought on, who was a board artist, who we promoted to uh, to be our number three for the final leg of episodes. And it was just the three of us and then uh, uh, our producer, Janet, and a few few production people. And for the last like six months of production, it was just the three of us in post. So, you you know, we were just hanging out. We weren't doing board pitches. We weren't writing new episodes. We weren't doing new designs. It was just post-production. We would get the episodes in. We would edit them. We'd do the sound effects and and the music and and, uh, we'd do the picture editing. And and that was it. It was like a, it was like, uh months and months and months to like grieve mm-hmm. together you know because we were we were finishing them up and we had a lot more spare time without the pre-production part we had a lot more time to focus on polishing and fine-tuning those final episodes uh and we all just like spent a lot of time together yeah. talking about it and just like talking about how we felt about it talking about everything you know it was a lot of like quality personal time uh to bond as 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 people uh, and, 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 uh, and so that way it was like a year, the, the thing you're describing was like a year long version of that. And, but it's funny because like, uh, and like at a certain point we like moved offices cause it was just the three of us uh, with Janet and a couple and a couple production people. And, and, uh, and, um, it's funny you, you talk about like the lights turning out because the final episode of the show, you know, the final thing you see over the credits is a photo that I took of the offices at like the end of the night at like the end of the day. Uh, and that was like us saying, like, like, you know, the show was was very was very, uh, you know, as I was talking about earlier, we were very clear about it's a direct it's a direct message from our like hearts. And so the final thing you see is a physical photo of the office because mm-hmm. uh, that's how much we loved working on it, that we just needed. We were just like, you're saying goodbye. We're, we're saying goodbye to, you know, it was it was a very it was a very it's it was very hard to say goodbye. 
especially as we all grew closer together. Absolutely. And uh, last last one before we before we rotate into the last little bit of the show, man. Um, kind of like what we did with JG on regular show. Uh, you got a funny story uh, about working with Ian and what do you think you learned the most of or took from Ian as far as working with him? Oh, man. And he's coming back on for a second part. Yeah. We're working on the scheduling now. So I'm going to ask him the same thing about working with you because uh, we, <laughs> we didn't cover uh, KO on the first part, kind of like we, we didn't do Oh, man. Look, we spent so much time together uh that it's like hard to even know where to begin and it's also like i don't want to implicate my friend you know <laughs> like in the, in this way um, <laughs> so but what I'll, what I'll say is that i i you know so much of what i've learned about being a leader comes from him because he he is an amazing leader um and and sometimes it was him actually like explaining something but a lot of the time it was just learning from, by example about about how to be someone worthy of respect you know, because a lot of, you know, I not every I'm not great with, you know, with authority, you know, when a lot of the jobs that I've worked, I didn't respect my bosses because they didn't earn my respect, you know, uh, and, and a lot of teachers I've had over the years, you know, a lot, if someone is in a position of, of leadership and they don't earn my respect, they don't get it. And so seeing Ian as a leader, you're really watching someone who 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 earns respect by being just a good respectful, generous person. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that, that's something that I, that I, that I, that I will forever be aspiring to and not perhaps not always succeeding at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it even, you know, it even came down to some, something um, this, and this is, and so that's one thing. And then I, there's something very early that I, that I remember that, that, that informed the way that we, 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 we did the show that I, that I, cause on a lot of shows, there is a pass where uh, the creators and the leadership of the show, uh, especially in a board-driven show, after it gets handed in, it's something called like the creator pass. And an episode, they plop it on your desk, and you just go in and you you do what you need to do. You 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 make little changes and you 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 do your thing as the creator to make it a little more like your thing, right? And after working on some shows, I was enthusiastic. Actually, I was like, "Hey, this is fun. Now is my turn to." Every episode is going to pass by my desk, and I'm going to go in and do my little thing, and 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 add a little bit of my flavor to to the whole thing, right? And he said to me, he was like, "We're not going to do that, you know. We're not because if you have a change you want to make, and and you can't articulate it in front of the crew to the people, uh, then it's not worth doing, you know. Mm-hmm. If if it's something that you can't say in the room and be like, hey, here's how I feel, and you can't communicate it in that context." Uh, then, then it, then it's not worth doing. Then it's just you, you know, making going in for no real reason and making it smell more like you, just as as an ego trip, you know. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that was something that really it was like, oh, I'm really like. And you know, the thing is, a lot of show and on a lot of shows, that's something that's actually like needed. It needs mm-hmm. to feel like the creator. It needs to have a, that that specific thing. But on but on that show, it's it, it was a thing where it's like we're all we all have our place and we all have our voice. 
Um, and and he was imparting to like, let's not unnecessarily dampen the voice of 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 the people before us in the pipeline. You know, obviously, I had plenty of opportunities to go in and do a uniquely Toby moment or or tweak something to be more Toby like. But I was only doing it if it was like necessary, yeah. because otherwise you're just doing a lateral change for no for no reason. He was very, very opposed to like lateral changes. Um, and that's a really, really, really good perspective as a, as a creator, because it's really easy to get sucked into just changing it to change it, just to make it smell more like you and, and make these lateral changes. So it was always this question of if if somebody wanted to change something, it's like, hey, hey, is that actually better or is it just lateral? So that that's a, that's a long spiel, and I'm sorry that I that I failed to give you a give you a funny a funny one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> once yeah. once again, I I didn't have like a like a like a wacky one. I'm, I'm curious to hear what he'll say on well he'll say on me for that one. No, that's perfectly fine, man. I I like. If there's one thing I've learned by doing this show, it's uh, so we just lost Batman a couple weeks back, you know, right before Thanksgiving, Ken, Kevin Conroy, RIP. Um, I wish I would have saw him last year at Megacon. He's the voice of Batman, bro. He's like every he's time the I read my voice of Batman, he, he's Batman. Like mm-hmm. when I read comics, that's the voice I hear. I hear Mark Hamill is the Joker. Whenever I read comics, whenever I read my Ninja Turtle comics, I'm hearing the four voices that I heard in that original 1990s TMNT movie, the Jim Henson production with the live action suits. I hear those voices when I read Ninja Turtle comics. And one thing I love about having you guys on when you've worked with somebody or you have a mentor or you have somebody in this industry that you look up to, um, and then you get to tell what you think about them and it's you know sometimes it's positive sometimes it's negative but it's never you know coming from a bad place it all comes from the same place um it's just like how it's perceived as you know negative but you know especially when it's positive or especially when you've got such adulation for somebody you've worked with a friend and that person gets to hear it. you probably tell you know a lot of people won't tell their friends like how much they mean to them they won't tell them they love them they won't tell them you know hey like i really look up to you you kind of changed my career changed my life because you made me think about something that was outside of the box. So anytime that we can sit here and say, hey, you made a positive change on my life and somebody gets to hear that, right? I think it's very special. So I appreciate those stories you shared. Um, but as we uh, as we kind of end this here, man, I think you need to start working on a bunch of more shows, Toby, because we need to do part three, part four, part five. You need to come up with like seven or eight more pilots so we can talk about sure. that. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm going to need you to step up your game, you know, okay. get you. Get your name out there so we can keep doing more episodes. <laughs> uh, but no, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, these two parts we've done. Um, just getting to to sit back and then experience Toby's life and Toby's eyes and Toby's perspective. It was a lot of fun. Like that that whole regular show episode we did, which was I was trying to cover the first part of your you know your career, but it was just so heavy on regular show. But just kind of get to see how you navigated through the animation waters. You're starting to grow after you you leave regular show. You get to do your pilot. You get to bring your friend out from your hometown. Then you get to work with a friend. Then you get to help your friend create the show. Then you kind of get to say not everything, but you guys got to end it somewhat on your terms. Obviously, if it would have been different, you would have got more 20 yeah. more episodes. Um, you would have got to say a little bit more. And, you know, you guys end up with that beautiful shot of that picture of the office, right? Um, it's, it's like I said, it's always interesting talking to you guys because nobody has had the same career. Nobody's walked the same path. Nobody's done the same thing. It, so it's, it's interesting to see how you guys start, how you guys progress, and then where you guys are at 
down the road. Um, so like I said, it's been a, an absolute blast. Uh, the two questions I gave you prior, man, the other five you're going to get is all shooting from the hip. So mm-hmm. first thoughts that come to mind, but those two questions, you get four people on your Mount Rushmore plus one honorable mention. doesn't have to be animators. doesn't have to be cartoonists, but it's people that's inspired you throughout your career. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got two, there are two versions of this. Because okay. there's the version of uh, the people I, the artists that inspired me growing up and, and led me to want to become an artist. And then there's the other version, which is more valuable, I guess, in a way to me or more important is, is the people who are like my peers who I came up with, you know. Uh, and so it's, and, and, and then it's like, and I, and I don't know, I don't know that I can whittle it down to four. It might have to be a very big Mount, big Mount Rushmore, but it's like, you know, when, the, when it comes to, you know, animation professionals who, whose work kind of like got me interested and got me excited. And, and also like specifically people who like made me see the human hand and the human mind behind these things, maybe be like, oh, these are the view, the, the view of a specific point of view. This isn't, you know, the, the, uh, you know, it's, it's people like Hideaki Anno and, you know, Matt Groening and Kazuya Suramaki. And uh, of course, Gany Tartakovsky, you know, you can't not mention him and Satoshi Khan and, uh, and like Pendleton Ward. Cause it's like adventure time. Like Mike's enthusiasm for that show was one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the big stepping stones toward, toward me ending up where I am today. But then also it's like the other version of that is just like, all the people who 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 I'm inspired by every day, who are like my peers, who 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 I've who I've come up with in the industry for the last decade, and you know the, the you know the first person who comes to mind is my girlfriend Madeline Carypell. Yeah. Uh, you know she you know uh, and uh, you know and and then of course like my friend Owen and and of course Ian and Rebecca and and you know my my friend Cat and like all all these people who I came up with like my 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 friends you know they're, they're the people who are in a lot of ways like my true Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. that's really cool man um so we'll have to i, I love when you guys have two lists like that because <laughs> I, i'm sorry that i bribe i just can't not break the rules i just gotta gotta oh, yeah no I, it goes back <laughs> to your authority thing man i really I, I really like that just fucking stick it to the man toby i like but like what i like about that is because a lot of people get consumed with their work everybody thinks that that they are their work or their work is them, right? If that makes any sense. You know, I go through bouts with like that, especially during busy season in the restaurant industry. I go through bouts where I feel like I'm just the chef. I'm just this guy. I'm just that guy. And it's very hard to disassociate my my real life, you know, not inside Chef Whites and Blacks. Uh, it's just wearing regular clothes like a, a Kirby t-shirt. And I didn't forget you dropped Smash Brothers just a minute ago. So we're going to talk about that <laughs> for just a quick second because... Boy, oh boy, if there's two games, Mario Kart and Smash Brothers, we'll have to exchange gamer tags here is what I'm getting at, Toby. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so it's 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 I like seeing that, that you have people that influence your career, but you also have people that you look up to that you get to work with every day. So you're consistently inspired. Um, so it's just like I said, it's cool seeing that growth, how you started and how you're doing. I, I really like that. Um, and I think you're probably the first person that's given me two Mount Rushmore. So. That's the first, and I like that. Uh, time the to get other building. One, what's that? I said time to get building. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so the, the next question is uh, two books that you think any fan of animation or anybody in animation should have on their shelves. What books you recommended? So I, I'm bringing one book here because mm-hmm. we all know all the classic animation books. This is a book that is not about animation, 
but it's a book about creativity and it's called, um, I'm pulling it up here. It's called the modern method with a T modern method. And this is by Matt Farley, who is uh, someone who I find really incredibly creatively inspiring. He's most famously known for being the guy who writes thousands and thousands of songs on a million different subjects. And so if you like write up like a song about poop or whatever, he'll have written a song on Spotify about poop or any subject in the world. He'll be the guy, the one guy who wrote a song about it, but he's also a filmmaker and he makes movies in his hometown with his friends and family uh, on no budget whatsoever. We're talking micro budget regional cinema. And he makes these movies that are just a pure vision of himself with no compromises or no, no oversight, no nothing. He just gets together with the people he knows and he scraps along and he makes these amazing homemade movies that are great. And he wrote this book uh, and it's just uh, a bunch of like short, small passages where he talks about his perspective on creativity and, 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 and creation. And he has a very unique outlook that's not at all precious. Uh, and, and and it's not about overthinking things. And it's just about like, the only way to be a creative person is just to actually make something. It doesn't matter if it sucks. It doesn't matter what it is. You got to do it. And also, and, and, and the fact that he's someone who, 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 you know, I, I've, I've thought a lot more and more over the years about, you know, making something without asking permission. And that's where I started. And that's, that's something that I always try to keep, which is like, if you get stuck in this, in this loop of asking permission to make something, you'll never make anything. And, you know, I've had times in my career where it's been very easy to get things made. And I've had times when it's been very hard to get things made. Um, but what's important is to, is to, to make things. And so it's like, you know, and, and that's why one of my current projects is uh, in, in the independent movie I'm, I'm making with friends. And it's like, you know, that's it's just important if I'm not making and, and it's, it's it's a way to do something uh, in a different way, I guess, after I've had experience making things in a lot of in a lot of different ways. Um, and so, yeah, like right now, I'm simultaneously working day jobs and animation and developing stuff, but also making trying to keep that light burning of, of personal work, because um, the kinds of things you make with no with no oversight, you know, nothing can can replace that. And so that, that this is a, this is a book that. It, it, it has a very important, to me, an important perspective on 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 art and, and what it means to be a creative person, I guess. It's really cool. I got it written down. I'm going to purchase it off of Amazon as soon as we get off it here. Um, and then the last one before we get to it, this one's always fun because this one leads me to other folks. And most of the time it leads me to your friends. Uh, but it's the animation recommendation. This is how I got, went from Robert Alvarez. I don't know if you've worked with Randy Myers, um, but Robert led mm-hmm. me to Randy. Robert led me to Paula. Um, Spence, I, I know you remember her. Uh, I'm getting, oh, yeah, yeah. I've, ever, I've worked with Paula on a number of different things. Paula's great. I'm getting ready to talk to her on the 18th of this month. Uh, we just had yeah. a phone. We, just, we had a phone chat. Uh, couple days ago uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked because she told me kind of how she got onto regular show like she jg went to her like it was her and jg helping with that that initial pilot so mm-hmm. i was like well now i know where we're starting this episode at we're gonna go straight into the regular show pilot so yeah, i mean she really she really set the visual look of that mm-hmm. show yeah it's definitely yeah i'm looking like i said i'm looking forward to talking to her about that one so um, but yeah, this is the animation recommendation. This is where you get to say, hey, you should probably reach out to such and such. We think you'd have a good time. But who should we reach out to? Who would you be your animation recommendation, Toby? For some reason, the first person that comes to mind is my good friend Tony Orozco, who is a uh who who does sound. He works mm-hmm. at 
at, uh, at our at, at the post production sound house where we where I did both AJ's Infinite Summer and OKKO and my current live action project. Uh, he he's been one of the guys I've worked with in post production sound, uh, and he is an immensely talented uh, dude who brought so much. Like if you think about OKKO, like the show's sound design is ridiculously intric- intricate. Yes. Um, and, and a lot of that comes from his, his hard work and his kind of mind. Um, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you've had, a you know, a, a, a sound design post. I have not, yet. I, have not, um, but so, I would love to have one. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea if he, he, if he'd want to do it or whatever, but he, he, I think he'd be a super interesting person because he's worked on dozens and dozens and dozens, perhaps yeah. even hundreds of, of shows. Write his name down and then I'll reach out to him. So, yeah, I would, like I said, I always like hearing who you guys did because it always leads me to somebody and I always get a broader perspective on what you guys do um i haven't had anybody as far as sound goes and then uh one of the guests i had on it was a recommendation by tom cedo is uh, scott cable and he did a lot of the pre-production art and pre-production for uh pixar so like the incredibles um mm-hmm. i think he did a little bit on the ratatouille so he was they were designing the world before kind of like what you and ian were doing where you guys were just trying to bat you said bash your heads against each other trying to get as much stuff out there as you could that's what he was doing with brad bird and there was like one other guy i can't remember who he said but that was like the first person i'd got to see that and i never really getting to see and hear all pieces of animation i think i might have told you this but you know before i started this podcast i thought the same people wrote it the same people that drew it was you know i obviously you know voice actors voice actors but for the most part i thought everybody was doing the same thing i didn't realize there was character design there was layouts mm-hmm. there was backgrounds there was color there was sound there was this there was that i was like holy fuck this is a huge endeavor and then getting to learn the like i said the inner workings of animation has always been fun so I guess that I'll reach out to him and and then uh fans questions and fans questions i didn't really write any fans questions down because we covered almost all of the fans questions between these two episodes. So I had to put my little thinking cap on. I came up with five really, really good ones. Um, okay. So this one's got a little bit of context, man. So you get two characters that have a buddy cop esque TV series, right? Mm-hmm. So two characters for shows you've worked on, you can mix and match them between any shows, but I'm going to take away the obvious, you know, um, duos, tag teams, if you will. So mm-hmm. you can't have high five Ghost and muscle man. Obviously, that would be a great one. And you can't have Rigby and Mordecai. So you can't have buddies like that that aren't buddies on the shows. So what two characters would you put together, pitch to a series for a buddy cop show? Uh, I would do... Uh, okay, these are two OKKO characters who are among our favorite characters to to do. And we put them together for the second to last episode as a duo. And we realized just how fun they were together. And they're Dynamite Watkins and Carla. So Dynamite Watkins is a news reporter in the OKKO universe who uh, who we did like a detective episode about. And we actually there's another video game about her. And then Carla was like the assistant at the Pow Card Factory, who's this like incredibly enthusiastic, like dog lady. Um, and the two of them together are really, really, really fun to watch. They We, we had them as announcers at the at the uh, fighting tournament that ended the show. And so. Now that we know that, it would be. I would love to do more with yeah. them. So a show with them as a duo would be a lot of fun. That sounds fun. Um, is there a scene, a line, a sequence throughout your any of the shows you've worked on uh, that you're most proud of? doesn't have to be one that you've worked on. It could be just a show you've worked on. Maybe a buddy worked on it. Um, but is there is there one that sticks out that you're most proud of? There are a lot of... I mean, there's so many, it's, it's, there, 
you know, it's really hard to, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, but, um, cause it's like, there are several episodes of, of, of regular show that I'm so, so, so proud of. You know, I mentioned TGI Tuesday and a bunch of full grown geese and the brilliant century duck crisis and the dome experiment and Rigby's graduation. And, you know, those are some episodes I'm really proud of. And it's hard not to say my pilot, that's just me, you know, the version of me from that time yeah. doing something very raw and, and direct and, you know, in, in, uh, and then so many moments and so many KO episodes, you know, I feel this immense pride for, uh, and the other thing that, and, and I, the, for my answer, I'll just say like, you know, the last four minutes of the final episode of OKKO, okay mm-hmm. um, uh, it's, it's something that I, that I, that I'm really, really proud of. Um, but even beyond that, like there are a lot of things that I hope one day get to be seen because, you know, I've been developing uh, a number of different projects since, since then. And, um, you know, my current, one, one of my current projects is this one that I've had a lot of fun working on with a lot of different people at, at Cartoon Network. A lot of talented artists have, have come on and, and worked on it. And we've done these, these storyboards and there are a handful of episodes of these, these storyboards that we've done that I'm immensely proud of. Mm-hmm. And, and I really, really hope they can see the light of day uh, in some, in some capacity. Um, Cause it's, 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 it's really, I think we really, really did something cool with those, but for the direct answer to your question, I'll say the, the, the final, the final stretch of, of the final episode of OKKO. That's good, man. Like I said, that's, I tried, I try to stay away from questions. Like remember that episode and that one season where you did that one, mm-hmm. I try to stay away from those, but I got to imagine you had at least a couple that you probably thought of. Um, oh, this one, I don't want to pat myself. I don't want to break my own arm, pat myself on the back, but I wrote some really good questions down, Toby. Um, <laughs> if, uh, thrill if, me. Yeah. <laughs> if you could go back and t- this is the one I, I think I'd, I'd have the most fun. So I might incorporate this one for the rest of them, for the rest of my interviews. Uh, if you can go back in time to be a fly on the wall for the creation of any cartoon character, who would it be and why? Character. Any cartoon character that's ever been created, you could be a fly on the wall when they're hashing this out. Which character would you pick and why? Character, that's tough. Hmm. Or if you wanted to broaden it, a TV show too. Cartoon, animated, sitcom. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know uh, one thing that's been a huge inspiration to me over the years is this the, the anime show uh fully coolie mm-hmm. um and that is a show that is such a intensely strong creative vision you know that i would love to have been around just to see how that thing came together uh and all the characters in that show are really really fun but there is a guy <laughs> this is this is such a weird pull there's a guy named commander amarao who has giant seaweed eyebrows. Uh, and it's such an odd little thing. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you spell this show? Uh, Fully Cooly. It's it's spelled F-L-C-L. It, it played on Adult Swim at one, at one point. Um, and it's, it's a six episode OVA. Uh, and it's just the greatest thing. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> I just over the last couple of years, ever since COVID, I've started delving into anime. Uh, anime's got that, like most things, it's got a very interesting culture about it. Um, you know, like most people my age, you grew up with Dragon Ball Z. That was your introduction to anime. And then when you really start talking to those anime nerds, ah, Dragon Ball Z is really not an anime. You're not really <laughs> watching anime. You got to watch this. 
And then they start offering shit that's got like tentacles in it. I'm like, nah, I don't really want to watch this weird. You've got tentacle friends. Yeah, well, I wouldn't call them friends, Toby, because that would put me on the same list those guys are on. Um, I've already said too much. But uh, yeah, it was just some weird shit. I kind of took a step away from it. Then COVID hit and I had nothing else to watch. And it, you know, reignited with My Hero Academia. Fucking phenomenal show. I'm so invested. I've I've never seen it. Dude, I have never wanted to cry more in my life. And that's saying something. I've never wanted to cry more in my life by watching a show that I'm so invested. Uh, so did you ever watch Dragon Ball Z? Only a little bit. Only only kind of, which is funny. It's funny because KO is so inspired by like shonen anime and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I I only saw, you know, I watched, uh, I, I I tuned in for like the Cell Saga. And I caught some uh, caught some of the movies, but mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of that I got like through osmosis through my friends who were all big fans growing up. Although I did go see that Broly movie that came out a couple years ago, and that was pretty good. Yeah, there's uh there's a lot of filler, and the only reason I bring that up that that comparison because there's a lot of filler in Dragon Ball. See, there's a lot of power ups. There's a lot of them hovering in the air saying, "I'm gonna yeah. hit you," and then I'm, no, I'm gonna hit you. No, I'm gonna hit. Not if I hit you first, I'm gonna hit you fast. So it's a lot of that shit. Uh, with my hero, it's. They've got 30 plus characters in the show. I've never seen a show that by the end of the season, they've wrapped up every, not every story arc in a sense that it's closed. It's no, not going to progress, but they've wrapped up every little detail that you think they would forget. Like, oh, fuck, they forgot that. And we're on episode. We got one more episode left. Like, holy shit, they wrapped that up. And then they add on to it. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is what? Oh, this guy is so good. It, you got to check this one out. First season. Um, like I said, I've, I've gotten so invested in these characters. Like when they, when you think they're going to die and you're like, my palms get sweaty. You know, I'm not <laughs> going to go into the Eminem song, you know, but, uh, you know, my knees got weak, you know, mom's spaghetti. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a phenomenal show. And then we just started watching Attack on Titan. I don't know if you've watched that one. I've also not. Why I, I, I haven't watched it. I, I have a, I, I jump in at weird at weird times with weird shows, so I never I never caught it. Mad, Maddie has seen the whole thing, and she she uh she she uh she checked she checked it out. Yeah, dude, it is fucking crazy. It, it those two things like I don't give kick in the nuts guarantees on very much on on much things. Those two shows for sure have a kick in the nuts guarantee. If you don't like those shows, I don't want you to kick me in the nuts. But you know, I put my I put my sack on the line. I think that's the most. <laughs> you know what I mean. Regular show and KO is up there too. They get a kick in the nuts guarantee. Um, if I like this one too, man, I like all my questions. We're being honest, Toby. Uh, if you were starting an animation studio and you needed a writer, a director, an animator, and a voice actor to have a foundation, what animator, what writer, what director, and what voice actor are you bringing? It could be anybody through the history of animation. That is a very good question. Thank you. I thought um, I killed you. <laughs> it's look, it's such a good question that I can't answer it. I can't because whoever I pick, I'm going to be letting out some. I'm going to be leaving out someone else, and and so I can't do it. I just can't. I just I I I I, I have too much love for too many talented people, uh, and and uh, and I know that I just I I can't because if I say one, then there's going to be 50 others that that, I, that i'm going to be in, inherently insulting uh by by not naming them i can't i it's 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 uh yeah it's it's like you know it's it's picking between people that i you know cis talented people that i love I, I can't do it i'm sorry oh no you're perfectly fine man and then uh we'll end it with this one but it's it's gonna maybe fall in the same vein so we we might have to 
Let's see if we go uh, two for three or yeah, two for three, no, two for three for five, three for five. Uh, so it's you plus five of your friends in animation. You're mm-hmm. throwing a dinner party, man. Who are you inviting? What are you cooking? <laughs> it's so funny because you know I have I have my friends over pretty often, and uh, usually I, I if I'm cooking, I'm making a dessert. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make it, I'll make a treat for everyone. Uh, but usually I'm just ordering pizza or, or wings yeah. or something. <laughs> um, so for the, who I'm bringing, we can just bring back that, uh, we can bring back the, uh, the, uh, the Mount Rushmore from earlier. Okay. And for, for what I'm cooking, uh, I, this is I'm I'm gonna I this is this is just a joke. I'm gonna make a joke. I'm gonna get a Pazookie from BJ's is what yeah. I'm gonna do. Yeah. Uh just because it's funny. Because it's something, you know, there's a BJ's in Burbank by where we work. Uh and and uh and and the Pazuki is inherently funny. So I'm gonna go with the gag answer there. I'm 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 cooking up a Pazuki. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, Toby, man, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, if the fans want to, want to reach out and say, Hey, I really like what you're doing, or they want to see what you're working on next, man, where are you at on social media and how can they find you? Uh, I'm Toby, Toby Jones on, on whatever relevant social medias currently exist, or actually you could also say re- irrelevant social medias, relevant and irrelevant social media as I'm Toby, Toby Jones on, mo- on, mo- on most of them. So that's how you can check me out. Beautiful, man. Well, like I said, this has been a real honor, real pleasure. I, I really enjoyed you spending a couple hours with me in the last uh, two episodes um, I can't wait to do this again down the road, man. Uh, I wish you nothing but continued success. I really can't wait to see. Oh, uh, it was just announced today. We're going to try to have this one out around the time uh, it's going to drop. But uh, what was just released that, uh, that that old Toby was working on not too long ago? Uh, they just announced there is a stop motion show called uh, Shape Island, which mm-hmm. is based on these these great books by uh, by uh, Mac Burnett and John Klassen. And uh, my friend Ryan Pequin, uh, was a head writer and a co-EP on that show, and he brought me and and several of several of uh, of of uh, very talented friends to come in and write on that show. And so I I, I think it comes out January twentieth on on Apple TV Plus. So yeah, I recommend checking out Shape Island. Uh, it's it's a great show. Beautiful. Well, he's been Toby. I've been Julian. This has been a What's in My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, and I'll see you next week.